Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Scheim on weei.com. Back for another Off Day Podcast. I'm Andy Hart alongside Chris Scheim, but this is not your average Off Day Podcast with it. Knocking on the door of April and the NFL draft a little more than a month away, we're going to begin doing two podcasts a week. One will be your traditional all things Patriots conversation about Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and everything else going on in New England. And the other, which we're doing today, is going to be a prospect and draft based podcast. We are going to begin with what I thought would be seen as the biggest need for the Patriots. Uh, Unfortunately, I put out a Twitter poll this morning, and after 700 votes, fans think that number one wide receiver is the biggest need, but only by a couple percentage points over cornerback, the position we are going to talk about today. Chris Scheim, before we get into the Patriots um, offseason at the cornerback position and needs and then into the prospects, just your gut reaction. One word to describe the New England Patriots cornerback situation right now. Putrid. (laughs) <laughs> if, you, if you expected any kind of positivity you were sadly mistaken okay because so I, quick... I think and i uh by the way i voted on that poll i voted for cornerback so i'm very excited to be doing this podcast today okay good glad we're going because i thought i thought everybody would see cornerback quite honestly because as we review the off season at the cornerback position or maybe even go back uh into the regular season to some degree so you had the trade of Stephon Gilmore, your former Defensive Player of the Year. That was okay because you have J.C. Jackson waiting in the wings as your number one cornerback, and he was just that. He was a pro bowler. Um, interceptions galore yet again for J.C. Jackson. And then he decided that he was going to take the $80-plus million in free agency and go join the Los Angeles Chargers super team that is being yes, built sir. out west. 
Uh, so the cornerback position went from having a little more than a year ago, less than a year ago, two number one cornerbacks in New England, you could argue, to not sure if you have a number two cornerback, never mind a number <laughs> one cornerback. Uh, right now, the depth chart, I guess if you were going to pick somebody to be atop it, it would be Jalen Mills, who was the number two corner opposite J.C. Jackson last year, although most people... Uh, I can tell you, based on my Twitter interactions, didn't think Mills had a very good year. I actually thought he was okay, because I thought he was put in a position he's really not supposed to be playing as a starting caliber cornerback. Um, I think he's a a safety, jack-of-all-trades defensive back. But for the here, for the now, that's your number one cornerback. Uh, They did bring in a couple players. It wasn't all losses in the offseason. Malcolm Butler, yes, Malcolm Butler, the Super Bowl hero turned Super Bowl controversy Malcolm Butler. Uh, re-signed with the Patriots, low-money deal, 32 years old, was not in the league a year ago due to personal reasons. Um, I don't know if we'll get more on that story uh, as this moves on, and his, he does some media at some point in New England. And Terrence Mitchell, who I guess I'll dub a journeyman cornerback. Yep, um, I think that's fair. Another low-money deal. And those guys joined the likes of Miles Bryant, Sean Wade, Joan Williams, uh, oh, and Jonathan Jones obviously returns as a pretty high caliber, I think is fair to say, slot corner. Um, so that is the summation of the Patriots' cornerback position. Uh, first of all, Chris Scheim, let me ask you one question before we dive into this. Okay. Where do you place cornerback on the um, list or ranking of premium NFL positions? Uh, I think corner slots in right below... Wide receiver. Uh, so for me, I think it's quarterback is always number one. Um, I feel like defensive end pass rush is number two. Uh, then I would go number one legitimate wide receiver, followed by number one stud corner. And I think some people have those those four spots uh, in some order. Quarterback at the top and then those other three. It's a passing league. You need to be able to throw yep, the ball. Exactly. You need to be able to stop the pass. Patriots, we'll see how they throw the ball. Right now there's serious questions as to how they're going to be able to stop the pass and therefore I think cornerback is still uh, their number one need heading into this draft where they pick number 21 overall in the first round unless of course they trade down and then don't pick number 21 overall Um, as we get into the prospects though I want to uh, put a little background um, on each position and for our purposes I'm using NFL.com because they have all the prospects they grade them I'm not saying I agree totally with their grades, but it just gives us a um, sort of a, par- a set of parameters to work from. And so for their grading system, they have, you know, and they, they grade 6.7 is their highest down through in the fives, whatever. And in their system, anything above a 6.2 is going to be a starter in the NFL, they believe. Mm-hmm. And they have 10 guys right now with grades of... or higher. Their highest grade is Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, and that goes all the way through Kobe Bryant, C-O-B-Y Bryant out of Cincinnati, um, as their last guy graded 6.2 or higher. Uh, If you're over 6'7", they believe you're a day one starter. And the only person, or the only two people they have above 6'7", are Sauce Gardner, 6.72, and Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington, at 6.7. I agree with... I think your response for a single reason. So let's get into the prospects. I'm going to start with my number one prospect, and that's Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Thank you. Andy Hart. We So a fair f- 
complete transparency here. We have not discussed anything nope. about this. We were just I just asked him what position do you want to do? Andy said, I love I want to do corner. We're gonna do corner. I said, Okay, I'll be ready. Nothing else was discussed. I am I am with you. You can continue your take, but I just want to let you know I am a hundred percent behind this. Continue. Okay, I think one of the reasons maybe Stingley isn't quite as highly rated is his career. Well, first of all, LSU didn't pan out the way I think Stingley probably thought his career would pan out for that team, but also for him. If you remember back in the Joe Burrow championship year, Derek yep. Stingley was talked about a lot. Oh, he's going to be playing both ways next year, greatest athlete in the country. And it just never came to full fruition uh, for the Tigers. But when I look at him, I wrote, can be special next yes, to his name. 100% agree. Six foot, 190 pounds. Um, I've seen some comps, actually, to a guy we just mentioned a few minutes ago, Stefan Gilmore. Um, I think Stingley has all the tools to be, and, and we've seen defensive backs, plenty of defensive backs come out of LSU and certainly the SEC over the years. I think he has all the tools to not only be a starter as a rookie, but I think you could be talking about year two, year three, Stingley being one of the top handful of cornerbacks in the NFL. And just a quick aside, a lot of people talk about how the quarterback contract, rookie contract for a quarterback is one of the most valuable things in football. You know what I think is kind of right behind that? The rookie contract cornerback. Agreed. Because cornerbacks are now getting paid up out the out the ass. Like it's right. I mean, look at the JC Jackson contract. You've seen the Jalen Ramsey contract. I mean, guys like Xavier Howard and uh Byron Jones and and, and all these jabronis. Uh, the, there's a guy that plays for the, the Washington Commanders. Uh, I can't even remember his name, and he's making like sixteen and a half, seventeen million dollars. And and a lot of these corners, if they're truly elite, you see it pretty quickly. You, you know, see it they make an one. immediate impact, right? And if you can get all pro, Pro Bowl caliber cornerback play, either as a number one or if you're lucky enough as a number two, you know, a J.C. Jackson yep. opposite of Stephon Gilmore, and you're paying the guy peanuts. I mean, you look he, at the Denver Broncos. Patrick Sertan, like, came in, started right away, and he's been a legitimate top two NFL corner. Like, absolute stud of a of a player. And, and he's been good for them right out the gate. Rookie season. He was tremendous all year. So if I'm a team picking in the top ten, I would have no hesitation about picking Derek Stingley Jr. I think he... He's smooth, he hits, he high points. Like, any cliche good thing you want to say about a cornerback, I think Derek Stingley does it. And I, I think, so, like the one, like you said, the one big red flag with Derek Stingley is the leg injury, foot injury, right. and, like, the COVID-slash-non-COVID illness that he was dealing with. I, you can all ball that up into not on the field and, and say that's one big red flag, and I get that. But then you look at the other guys, and everybody else has a red flag, too, right? Like, Sauce Gardner. I love the guy, but at the same time, he was also playing against not the best competition. And when he did play against great competition, he was hit or miss, right? Like he was good right. against Notre Dame, he wasn't great against Alabama. Um, so, and then a guy like Trent McDuffie might be a little bit small. Uh, again, played for Washington. I don't know if he played against the toughest competition out in you know Washington. So it's it, whereas Derek Stingley, you watch. There's a video out there. I forget who tweeted it out a while back now. Um, when, when kind of the draft process just started, of him just one-on-one -on -one covering Jamar Chase every day oh, at yeah. practice yep. and, like, locking him up half the time. And we're just talking about the guy who was an all-pro rookie wide receiver in the NFL. This guy, as a freshman, 
was able to lock up. Like, Derek Stingley Jr., to me, has every tool you could want in a corner, and if I'm going to take a shot at a legitimate number one corner in the top ten, I'm going to take Derek Stingley Jr. Agreed. And this isn't to say I'm uh, necessarily anti-Sauce Gardner. Agreed. I think he's a good player. He certainly has the measurables. You're talking about a guy that is a little bigger uh, than Stingley at 6'3". Very lanky, certainly, in Sauce Gardner. But I, I would have no qualms. Four four one forty. He ran at the combine, uh, played a lot. You know, was productive. Never Not allowed a t- touchdown. <laughs> right. I like that. Now, yeah, I do too. As you said, I'd like it more if it were in the SEC. Yeah, if he was um, playing for Alabama and he had these right. numbers, he'd be the number one, two, or three pick overall. But you know, you you can't force things. Like exactly. he is who he is. He went where he went. He produced what he produced. Um, but I think he's a really, really good player in his own light. He he actually is like probably a smidge more versatile in terms of kind of blitzing, tackles for a loss, playing at and behind the line of scrimmage as a defensive back, which I like. I know you don't really make your money in the NFL doing those types of things. Yep. I just think that sometimes but the versatility shows you, is good. It and it kind of shows you. I guess who a guy is or what like the compete level from, you know, hockey, that term, what he has. He's not just the flamboyant outside guy. He's not afraid to maybe mix it up behind the line of scrimmage a little bit. I do think he's a guy that is going to have, and we'll talk about this with a lot of guys, certainly the Washington guys, um, which there's a pair of them. And I don't really understand why McDuffie gets so much more love than, than Kyler Gordon. But, you know, there's, there's a couple, they're all handsy. And they're going to have to learn to play at the NFL level where flags will be coming fast and furious if they do the little, you know, Ty Law made a career of it, but these guys aren't Ty Law. The little jersey grabs, the little yes. hand around the waist. It's also a that very different called. NFL than when Ty Law played. Uh, that is true. That is that is very much true. Um, so I, I think we both agree. Are, are we fair to say that we agree that Stingley and Sauce Gardner, maybe in in a different order, whatever are are your top two corners. Yes, I, I and I, I look at them very. I, I like both of them a lot. I, I agree with you because, like, to me, I think you're talking when you're talking about Sauce Gardner. The high upside is a guy like J.C. Jackson or even Trayvon Diggs, right? Amazing athleticism, the ability to go get the football. It, he might be a little risky. He's also, I, I think, my other red flag outside of just playing for Cincinnati is that. He he's a little small, like not not height wise, just like length or like build. Oh no, he's lanky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like he, it's like lanky and thin, yep, and that no ca- makes me nervous. Whereas I look at a guy like Stingley, who's just or Andrew Booth, who I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, just yep. more well built in my opinion. So yep. uh, that kind of scares me with Gardner, but it doesn't mean he can't be good, right? You've seen other lanky corners in football be good, so I I, I think Stingley has the upside of like a Stefan Gilmore type, where his impact could be felt to the point where he could get possible, you know, nod for defensive player of the year, whereas Ahmad Gardner, in my opinion, could lead the league in interceptions and be very valuable, but not necessarily be the kind of lockdown guy that you would think he could be. And we'll sort of sprinkle in general uh, scouting feelings as we do all these podcasts between now and the April 28th draft weekend. And one of the things I do think is funny, when you go through this process and you're talking about whatever the position is, the, the pros, the cons of a player, it's like... Well, this guy, he, he, he lacks ideal height and length because he's six foot instead of six three. And then the guy who's six three, oh, he has ideal length, but he's a little lanky. 
Well, usually if you're six three, you're lankier than the guy that's six foot. Very like true. We, we kind of, you know, no matter what, you find strengths and flaws in in each guy, and it's kind of how you term that, them. So that's just kind of part of the draft process, though. It's like these weird, like weird parameters we hold people to, yep. and nobody's ever perfect. We're gonna find a mistake nope. in somebody. A hundred percent. So I did want to touch on Trent McDuffie, yes, who I please. said. NFL.com has slightly behind Sauce Gardner as their number two graded cornerback. I like McDuffie, 5'11", 193, as you said, played at Washington, three-year starter. Um, One of the red flags that just sort of jumps off when you read anything is only a couple career interceptions after starting three career games. Um, I, I liked him in that both he and his teammate Kyler Gordon, who's a little bit of a lower prospect, um... They look like scrappy Patriots corners to me. Yes. You know, the um, Malcolm, Butler Malcolm Butler. Yep. He used to always, like, you think he's going to give up a completion, and then he punches through at the last minute. He finishes the play, and the guy doesn't finish the catch. These two Washington corners, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. My guess is this has to do with the way they're coached on a daily basis. But they, they compete through the whistle and finish plays where I think some other corners maybe don't. And... I like that against about McDuffie. Now he yep. ran a four four four. His teammate Kyler Gordon ran a four five two. So that's probably part of the reason he is seen as the higher prospect. Um, he's quick. He's aggressive. There's a lot to like about McDuffie. Yeah, I, I think McDuck. There's a lot to like about McDuffie for sure. I think the height is, in my opinion, a little on the lower side. Right? We just talked about yep. it. You're going to find those those little issues, and for me, that's one of them. I think he's a little on the shorter side, which why, to me, he pans out, at least at the beginning of his career, to start in the in the slot for a team. Like, I don't think he's going to get drafted and immediately be your number one outside corner. I just don't think that that's realistic. I think in some situations, he might be able to be the number two guy, um, but I, I mean, you pair him up against a, a team like Cincinnati, right? If he's playing defense on the other side, say for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and yeah, he doesn't draw Jamar Chase, but he's still drawing T. Higgins at number two. Right. I, I don't love that, but I do love him against someone like Tyler Boyd in the slot. So there's, or or you pair him up against the the Raiders. I like him against a guy like Hunter Renfro, um, and, and so. I think there's a lot to like about McDuffie. I agree. I think the toughness and and that play through the whistle mentality is there, and I really like that, especially when I'm looking at defensive players. Um, I just think that McDuffie isn't necessarily my favorite prospect. I just I, I don't see the long term NFL upside in Trent McDuffie as much as I do with a guy like Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley Jr. A hundred percent. You know, I see McDuffie and I say. Probably a good number two corner in the NFL. You know, probably not a $100 million elite number one corner in the NFL. And there's no shame to that. No. Right? Like, not everybody is going to be, you know, perennial all-pro Patrick Peterson, whatever, whoever you want to pick out. And we just talked about it. Teams not only need two really good corners now, they kind of need three. Yes. In in the way the NFL is evolving. And he's a guy that I think you draft him. Are you ever going to say – I mean, if you took him, like, number two overall, yeah, you'd probably – That's like, a reach. Eh. Yep. Yeah, I took a number two corner in the top five. But if you take him where he's going to go, in somewhere in the middle of the first round, I would assume he'll come off the board. Middle to late first round, yeah, I would say. If you take him somewhere between, whatever, 16 and 32? Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Are you ever going to say uh, – I took him like 10 spots too high. No, you're going to say, I got a starting caliber cornerback. Yep. I got a guy that's helping me be a really good, deep, well-rounded pass defense. And I do think he's a guy that it, it will stun me if he stinks. I do not think he will stink. 
I just don't think he has again the special quote unquote upside of of a guy like Stingley. No, I completely agree. And, and I, this comp kind of just hit me. He reminds me a lot of like Chris Harris Jr. Right? He was who had some really good seasons. Was even yep. like a Pro Bowler once or twice. Yep. Um, and, and like on a really good defense, he was a tremendous guy, especially in the slot. But he was never that like reigning number one type guy. Right. And, and but I, I but can have a lasting impact on a football team for sure. Okay, so another guy. Uh, let me open my NFL.com, see where they have him rated. So Andrew Booth, they have yes. as their. I guess fourth prospect as we start to move our way through all of these guys, first round caliber cornerbacks. Um, Andrew Booth, again, three year type player for Clemson, um, six foot, 194 pounds, probably some scheme flexibility between man and zone. Um, he's certainly athletic, certainly has some burst to the ball, certainly is the kind of athlete you'd expect when you're talking about a Clemson high caliber cornerback. Um, good ball skills, aggressive. I think he actually has more, um, like, number one cornerback upside. I'm not sure he ever lived up to it, but if you hit and you get – yeah, I, I think that diamond is just below the surface a little bit. I, I mean, he, I, in my opinion, he was the most fun to watch, right? I think he has the best highlights, if you were to say. Just like his, his, his ball skills are awesome. Uh, there was one <laughs> interception he made. I wish we had drops. Yeah, <laughs> right? ball one. skills were awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there was one in particular. If you just go find the highlights, he he makes a one handed interception in the end zone, which is just ridiculous. Yep. Uh, Andrew Booth, I I think has the potential to be better. I think he has a higher ceiling than a guy like Trent McDuffie, in my opinion. I think McDuffie probably has a higher floor. Booth has a higher ceiling. Yeah, um, I knew we'd get into the floors and the ceilings, you have to. baby. Uh, Let's go. My my thing with Booth is I love the size. Uh, I love the length. I think. His arm length is great, uh, especially with the ball skills that he has. My issue with him is he's not afraid to go up and tackle, but it's very, uh, I'm going to use the word wild, right? Like he flies at the running back, but to the point where it's not controlled very well sometimes, and he can kind of swing and miss. Like he always hit, he's swinging for a home run uh, instead of just going for the single uh, and wrapping wrapping up the running back. So that kind of... I don't love that, but I think that's a thing you can coach, um, which is why I think his aggressiveness is really, re- like, top-notch kind of aggressiveness, like Trayvon Diggs-level aggressiveness, yep. uh, and I think he has that kind of ball skills. But again, w- that is a big-risk, big-reward type of situation. Uh, and I think he, he might be able to trim that and make it more in the J.C. Jackson style, where it's like, yeah, I allow some yards, but I'm also still getting you the interception numbers, and not necessarily being just like Trayvon Diggs, where it's all interceptions, and I'm also allowing like 1,500 yards receiving. Okay, next we have one that has actually been, some of the early mock drafts, a popular Patriots pick at number 21, uh, Florida's Kair Elam, who comes from the Elam football family, his uh, cousin, or I think he's uncle is Matt Elam, who played for the uh, the Ravens for a while. I think his dad was a Notre Dame safety. Um, so there's NFL definitely safety some, even. Yeah, so there's definitely some football uh, bloodlines there. Um, has the measurable 6'1", 191. Ran Ooh, a I have fourth, him at 6'2". There you go. Yeah, see, you, he, he lied. Oh, He's yeah, 6'1". 6'1 and change. Um, ran a 4'3'9", like everybody else did at the Combine when everybody was fast. Um, I look at him. He to me he's not as good as he should be. When I look at his kind of speed, okay. his athletic ability, um, and I just I wonder why. Like first of all, I don't think he's a great tackler. 
Um, not that I care about that as much. I'm, I'm more of a cover corner guy. I think that's what wins and loses ball skills in the National Football League. But he's a guy that with his uh, measurables, I think, should be one of these elite guys we're talking about. And then I watch him play and I go, I don't think he'll ever be an elite corner. I think he's a yeah. two or a three in the NFL. And again, you need twos and threes, too. Yep. You can't just have ones. Agreed. Um, so I, I'm not as high on Elam as it seems like a lot of people are. Yeah, I, I like Elam. I, I don't. Or is it Elam or Elam? I don't know. Yeah, it's something Elam. like that. Probably I, Elam. I, I, Elam. I like Elam. Yeah, I think I used to say Elam for Matt. I, I don't love him. Uh, I when I watched him, I go, oh, this is this is such a Patriots guy. It hurts. Uh, in my head, because he he lacks the quickness that the four guys we've talked about prior have. Like the Booth, McDuffie, Stingley, and Gardner, all they're ve- in short spaces. They seem like rapid fire. Elam feels like he is sometimes in that regard moving in molasses a little bit. I understand that his forty time is still a four three nine. Like the guy is fast, but I think in quick movement scenarios, especially off the line of scrimmage, uh guys a guy like a Devontae Smith, for instance, is gonna beat the crap out of this guy because yep. Devontae Smith is so good at the line of scrimmage. And and, and that would be what hurts him, which is why I think he kind of fits better in those off coverage zone defenses. Like I think a guy like Elam would actually fit great in like a San Francisco style defense where they play a lot of zone coverage. They let the the defensive line get after the quarterback. He doesn't have to worry about being up on the receiver's uh, chest right at the line of scrimmage. And, and I think that would benefit him a lot more than being on a team that likes to play man coverage. Um, so I, I see a lot of good in Elam, but I agree with you. I, I think there's a lot of things that don't quite make sense. Like it, it points in one direction and yet it just doesn't show up on paper or in the so, tape. So I'm glad you brought that up, scheme, zone, man. And in relation to the Patriots, we know for years Bill Belichick has been a man corner coach. Yep, 100%. He wasn't last year. Many people believed out of necessity due to what sort of transpired at the cornerback position and the talent he had to work with. Are we assuming if they are drafting, they are drafting with the idea that even if they're not primarily man this year again out of personnel issues are are we assuming Bill Belichick is drafting a man corner I think he has to uh, I just I think that's that's Belichick's bread and butter it always mm-hmm. has been um I, I just I think that's where he makes his dough right it's and, and you bring back Malcolm Butler who played a lot of man coverage here um I don't really I'm not as familiar with Terrence Mitchell so I don't necessarily know what he plays but now you have the young corners on the roster whether they're good or bad can be debated, but they've been here. They understand the way Belichick coaches defense and the way he likes to play man or play zone. And so I think, but I think the the bringing back of Malcolm Butler indicates to me at least that Belichick would like to play more man coverage. Okay. Uh, and so I think if the Patriots do draft a corner, they would go with a man cover style corner. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on next. Uh... Name on our list, uh, out of the SEC, which we like, out of Auburn, Roger McCreary. Um, I think he led the SEC, actually, in pass defenses last year. 5'11", 190. Um, team captain, which we always like to throw in there because we know the Patriots like leadership and captains and those types of things as they fill out scouting reports. Uh, one thing that I think has hurt his buzz um, of late is a four five forty at the Combine when everybody else was running fast. He did not run all that fast, but uh, plays the ball well. Um, I think he had six interceptions over the course of his career. Definitely aggressive, definitely likes to hit. From what I saw, 
had that typical tracks the ball well and then the late hands to get those pass breakups that I'm talking about. Um, I know reading it, I didn't watch a lot of it. I guess he performed pretty well against Jamison Williams, uh, a guy that I like and want for the Patriots out of Alabama. So, Roger McCreary, uh, what, what are your thoughts? I don't love the player. Again, this is another guy I project, at least out the gate. is The player, fits. by the way. Well done. That's another uh, scouting term, another Mike Mayockism. Yeah, hey, man, I'm, I've learned from the best, you know. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I, proje- I in my idea – ideal world for him I project him as a slot corner out of the gate I think his his length is, lacks a lot to be desired um and I I think he has good instincts he's quick again that quickness term I think is so important in today's NFL because I think that's a lot of the time where the cornerback's going to make up a lot of ground is that yep, ability to does. close he closes yes he closes he distance definitely closes. very very well uh and, and so I think that can be extremely useful uh, for a lot of football teams, especially in the pass-heavy offenses that we we face today, um, but I, I just I don't know that he'll ever like. He's definitely not, in my opinion, worth a first-round pick. Uh, I I think this is an early second-round guy, maybe mid-second round in a lot of places, just because I just don't see the upside potential um, in him becoming a long-term number one or number two corner. Uh, I think he he has some. Ability to contribute to an NFL team, but I just I don't I guess I don't see it as well as much as as some people do. Okay, because we are trending now as we talk about these guys into the second round, and I know for some Patriots fans that's a uh, nightmare scenario. Bill Belichick, uh, yeah. second round corner, so. Joan Williams is the latest in that group, but there's plenty over the years who have not um, come to fruition, have not lived up to, and. And I always say this when we do these podcasts. I've done them with you know Ryan Hannibal in the past, and even back in the days with Paul Perillo at Patriots.com. Bill has talked about the second round being kind of a risk round. Like these are guys that if they hit, they're first rounders. But there's some reason why you don't trust them to be first rounders. Injuries, red flags, questions, inexperience. Like there can be a litany of whatever that reasoning is. And that's what some of these guys are. Like McCreary, you say, second round. Yeah. Would it stun you if you look back and say, that guy should have gone in the first round? He's a starting corner in the NFL now. Um, so I, that's what some of these people are. One of the more intriguing names on this list that I, well, like most of these guys I knew about, you know, you're watching SEC in Florida and like you see all these guys. Um, I wasn't real familiar with Marcus Jones out of Houston before this process and kind of going through it. And uh, he's in a, a really intriguing guy. So let me just Read his measurables and, and notables from my notes. Yep. Uh, first of all, he's a Troy transfer, two years at Troy, and then he transfers to Houston. So I'm doing my background, and you know, you th- player comps pop up, and thing that pumps up is is Dante Hall, and I'm like, Dante Hall. Oh, why are you yeah. carrying a cornerback compo- to Dante? Oh, oh, because he had nine return touchdowns in his career. <laughs> Kickoff return touchdowns, punt return touchdowns, played slot receiver early in the year when they were thinking of trying to get him the ball at Houston. But five foot eight, 174 pounds. I'm not I didn't have a 40 time on him, and I didn't see a guy who was lightning fast. You see a guy who has vision and quickness as a punt returner. And then I watch him play slot cornerback, and he's pretty damn good. He hits. He, he always is making plays on the ball. Like, he's a playmaker. Like, whether it's in the return game or in the secondary, he is a playmaker. And I know NFL.com has him graded as a potential starting caliber cornerback in the NFL down the road. He certainly is an immediate uh, option as a returner. 
which Patriots could use an immediate option as a returner. I don't just, you know, I know Ty Montgomery was brought aboard and they have some other guys, but they lose Gunnar Olszewski. Marcus Jones, to me, is a fun player. So I'm looking at his current 40 time. This has to be a typo. Uh, because it says proving to be an electric playmaker with a four seven two forty, it has to be four two seven, right? And that's just bad job by the editor. Well, yeah, but there's no yeah. way he runs a four seven two. But I also didn't see a guy on film who ran a four two. True, fair point. Because his his straightaway speed, I didn't think was as like eye opening or wowing as yep. you would expect from a guy who you say, oh, he's got nine touchdowns in his career as a returner. Um, so that's interesting. I, I don't know what his 40 times. Okay. So you're right. It can't be four, seven. Bleacher two. report has it as did not participate at least at the combine. Right. So yeah, I had my list of official combine numbers and he wasn't on it. Yep. So I guess he didn't do it, which. Yeah. So I wonder why Marcus Jones scares me though. It, Cause if the Patriots draft him, I'm just nervous that it's Cyrus Jones all over again. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, great returner. Great returner can also play corner. Like that scares me. Um, in so the second round. I, yeah, especially in the second round. <laughs> and again, undersized is only five eight. Yeah, it's short. Twenty eight and seven eighth inch arms. That's not long. Like, if in my opinion, Marcus Jones could see a bit of a Jamal Agnew turnaround, right? Where he gets. Who the drafted. hell is Jamal Agnew? I'm going to explain it to you. He's Jesus the guy who had a 108-yard kick name. return for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year against the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. He's the guy who got drafted by the Jaguars as a cornerback, and he excelled in the kick return department. And then they transferred him from corner to offensive weapon, basically, and he played wide receiver, and for a portion of the season was one of their best receivers, at least on okay. a per-catch basis. Um, I-, I think Marcus Jones has a better future in that avenue, in my opinion, than as an NFL corner. And for me, personally speaking, kick returns are so almost irrelevant in football today yep. that I'm not using a second-round pick on this guy. Hell, I might not even—he might just be off my board completely. Wow, off your board? Yeah, I just—I don't, don't see it. Like, it— I, I I think he I think he's fast. Hate is gonna I hate. think he can play. People have I said just, you're very negative on this podcast. Yeah, I know, um, but that's it's kind of what I bring. It's my you know, that's who I it's am. Who I am? Exactly. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend to be anybody else. I actually I just, think it's good for me. Makes me seem like the more positive guy. Exactly. When you're generally slated as the negative guy, very much so. Uh, so I. Jones, sure, he, there's some upside there to me. I don't see it at corner. I do see it at returner. But if I'm going to take a returner, I'm definitely not taking him in the first three rounds. That's for damn sure. Okay, so now I, I don't know if there's anybody you specific. We've sort of touched on a lot of the top names. Um, there's a couple guys. First of all, we know you always pay attention to Alabama because Bill has drafted well from Alabama. Alabama always has good players. Uh, sometimes even lower, you know, last minute kind of guys at Alabama could have upside because whatever happened, they were originally, you know, five star recruits, best player at their position in the country, blah, blah, blah. So there's a couple cornerback prospects I do want to touch on. Josh Job, um, 5'11, 182. He played, he was like a three year player for them. And then the one I'm intrigued by is Jalen, I don't know if it's Armore, Armoire Davis. Um, who was a one-year starter for them, 6'1", 197, so he has some length, um, definitely has some speed, ran a 4'39 at the Combine, and he can look a little awkward in coverage at times, 
And I do think there's some rawness, there's some developmental nature to him. But I also think, we talk about diamonds under the surface that might need buffing up. I think he's a guy that has some serious upside if he ever reaches his sort of total package athletic potential. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on uh, Armoire Davis. I'm going to go with Armoire Davis just because I'm okay. not really sure. Um, but I, I think there is late-round potential big upside out of this guy. Um, I, I think that he needs a lot of refinement is the word I Which would use. Which is weird because – okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. No. But um, – because one of the things I've always heard internally from Patriot sources over the years is when they look at Alabama prospects, one of the things they always think is the guy's peaked because he's gotten great coaching. They really have the utmost respect for Nick Saban, his program. It's a professional program, all of these things. And that's the one thing that worries me here is we're like, this guy could have upside. And it's like, well, if Saban couldn't get the upside out of him, how are you going to get the upside? Why well, are we to, to expect a late bloomer? So to be fair, I don't necessarily think – is I also think that there's a shift going on, especially in the SEC right now. Okay. Uh, is you look at Georgia in particular. Georgia. Uh, the way they recruited defensive players is they do not get the guys who are refined. They get the guys who are pure physical specimens and athletes and then kind of go from there and try and build it. And I think – you're going to start seeing a lot more players from Alabama, especially on the defensive side of the ball, be in that similar lane, right, where they are athletically gifted and just absolute specimens, but their technique and their ability may need to be refined at the next level. Um, and But I, I think all of it, because I think especially now in, now in present day NFL, people are just enamored by physicality and athleticism, um, I, I think these guys will just generally win out ultimately, and teams will be like, "Oh, I can, I can work with this guy. I can mold that clay." Not to bring back an analogy from earlier uh, in the, in the year, but I can mold that clay into the guy that I want because he has all the physical traits, the stuff I can't teach him. I can teach him how to play in my zone defense, in my press man defense, in my too high defense, whatever the hell you're playing. Um, and so I think that a guy like Jalen Armoire Davis has that physical ability and then can be kind of refined by coaching in the NFL a little bit. In terms of Job, a couple things that are of note. First of all, from Connecticut, so he's a New Englander. Shout New out. Englander. Um, Wait, are you sure he's from Connecticut? According to the information I'm reading, he is from Miami, Florida. Josh Job? Joshua Job out of Alabama, correct? Okay, then I got bad info because it said he was the best in the state of Connecticut coming out of, college, coming out of high school. Uh, well, maybe he was originally from Miami and then went to Connecticut. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, maybe he's not from Connecticut. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Do your own damn research if you're listening. Um, but more importantly, his stock fell because, from what I read, he played through a foot injury last year mm -hmm. and didn't have a great year, kind of opened up a lot of questions. He's a guy that had a good performance against Kyle Pitts a year ago. That obviously opened some eyes because Pitts is a pretty unique offensive weapon, unicorn-type player um and i wonder if bill will look at that as well as this projection by some that job could move to safety this versatility that he has combined with lower value coming off an injury in a questionable season i wonder if job could be a guy that mid to late round value bill says well he's better than that i don't know how good he is but he's better than where he's being drafted yeah that's possible i didn't I'll be honest with you, I didn't do as much research into Job. I was not prepared for him. But uh, <laughs> according to NFL.com, sources tell us, quote, he played with a busted foot for part of the year, so I give him credit See? for that. But he just wasn't very good in 2021. He's Scout hurt. for an AFC team. He's hurt. 
right? Yeah, no, agreed. Of it, course it, he's not good. You just said you give him credit for playing through an injury. Well, he's hurt. If there's any position I would not want to play with a foot injury at, it'd be cornerback. Yeah, no kidding. Like, to go in every direction and like run full speed all the time. Agreed. That's not even fair. Yeah, I, um, I don't know a whole lot about Joshua Job, so I can't really weigh in on him as much. Um, okay, so I'll give but, you somebody else to okay. weigh in on. I don't know how to say his name. Um, four two six. The is it Tariq with a U on the end? I don't know. Woolen um, from uh, University of Texas San Antonio, six foot four, two hundred and five pounds, and runs a four two six forty. Um, former wide receiver, so I think uh, he's only. I want to say two years as a cornerback after three years as a wide receiver. Certainly raw. But when I say to you he's six four, he runs a four two six. You gotta like that. Oh, I'm I am in on that. Six four runs a four two six. Yes, please. Yes, I sir. can work with that athletic talent. Now the only question Boy with a guy like scoot. that is where like how willing are you to you know, if Al Davis were still around, this guy could be a first round pick. I mean, quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, no the size and and speed yeah. of that nature. Um he's a risk reward guy, I write in my note. Like you could end up with some elite player. Uh, based on just the measurables and you know making the transition from a lower level of football he's still raw learning the cornerback position but he has the tools um he's an interesting name to keep an eye on um some of the other names that i found um interesting i was interested this year in some of these guys and this is a guy that falls under that um narrative or whatever is mario goodrich out of clemson ran a four five at the combine so everybody else is running four twos and four threes he runs a four five your stock drops um but can you play corner? Can you cover? Can you be a defender? And I see a guy that he, that can do those things. Six foot. Um, maybe he's a tweener. Maybe he plays some safety. Who knows? I think those lines are being blurred a little bit in the NFL where you always have five or six defensive backs on the field. It's like, am I a corner or a safety? I don't know. I just got to cover somebody on the other side of the ball. Um, certainly is a special teams type, which we know uh, Belichick will always covet. Um, so I thought Goodrich coming out of Clemson, the program, I think there's reason to see him as a sort of a third day value. Yeah. Uh, the last guy I just want to touch on real quick. Uh, I know we're not really doing safeties, but I need, I I felt the need to mention Kyle Hamilton. Okay. Um, because I think he, I think he's worth a top five pick. Uh, yeah. And he may go there, Uh, which is risky for a safety. Yeah. It's very risky, but I just, Everything I watch about this uh, with, uh, with this guy, everything that I read about this guy, he is as good as it gets coming out of college and into the NFL, yep. playing this position. Uh, he's out of Notre Dame, 6'4", 220. It, it has rare size for a guy who wants to play safety this way. Uh, and I think he can do it all. He can tackle. He can. Uh, he can play. I think he can play single high, even though some people don't believe he can. I, I just... This guy is a special athlete, and I think that there's a good chance uh, that if he goes in the top five and becomes an immediate impact player in the NFL as a rookie right away. Agreed, and I think he's been aided by different type of player than Derwin James, but if Derwin James is kind of one of those can-do-it-all yes. safeties. And Isaiah Simmons, who went to the Cardinals top half of the first Eighth, round, maybe top ten. Might have been oh, ninth. Um, and I did see somebody say that that Hamilton is better than Isaiah Simmons I think was so, yes. coming out of college, so could be you know a valuable player. And as I said, you know the cliche, oh, it's football on grass now. I mean, it's basketball on grass now. Positionless. I don't think you ever regret having one of those guys like Hamilton, who you know can he do it all? Maybe not all of it, but he can do a lot of it. And I don't, you know, I, I can ask him to do a variety of things and. He won't embarrass himself out there. He's. I'm a little hesitant when I start hearing safeties going like 
two, three. I agree, but it, it's the same thing when you hear guard going two, three, yep. six. And I Quentin get that. Nelson was worth it. Like you look at Quentin Nelson and you say, yeah. Absolutely. When and, they're special, they're special. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the difference. It's I think he is more of a known commodity than a lot of other guys going in the top 10. And so if I am a team that is taking a pick that just needs to hit on a top 10 pick, regardless of the position, because I need to make sure that my roster is getting better, Kyle Hamilton is absolutely that guy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, how high exactly he goes, and quarterbacks could could screw that up. Yep. Um, if quarterbacks get overdrafted or drafted really high, that'll push elite players like him down. Um, two guys I want to touch on before we wrap this up, because I do think we're coming up on, on an hour maybe. Yeah, we're, we're, we're closing in on a long time here. Damn, we kick ass. Where, are you, where <laughs> else are you going to get a Patriots podcast that gives you nearly an hour on cornerback prospects where we pretend we know what we're talking about? Nowhere. Um, two guys that I wanted to touch on real late for two sort of differing reasons. Uh, Alante Taylor out of Tennessee is a tweener, maybe, corner safety, six foot, 199 pounds, mid-round guy with upside, in my opinion. I think he's going to get overdrafted, maybe because he ran a 4-3-6 at the Combine, but um, described as an elite gunner, special teams versatility. He's a former wide receiver, so he has athletic versatility. He's an elite academics guy. Um, I believe he was a captain. He just smells like a Patriots mid to late round. Ooh, okay, yeah prospect and then joshua williams um you know a couple years ago they took kyle duggar out of division two lenore rhine this is a division two fayetteville state which i think is in the carolinas somewhere uh the um, fayetteville north carolina he uh six foot three 195 ran a four five which is a little slower than you like and the competition level is legitimate i was watching some of his like the old cliche man among boys he was a man among boys at fayetteville um just the longest fastest you know making plays like you know he he shouldn't have been on he that is field so long Holy. he is and he he definitely has upside um and and it it works sometimes like these are the funny things like you always think like if it fails you'll be like well you idiots took a defensive back out of division two obviously he's never played elite athletes he was never at a but he went to the senior bowl and then if it if it works and he goes in like the third round everybody's like can't believe we let that you see his foot like he runs his size well yeah that's why these are tough decisions to make and there's you know swings and misses or guys going late that are good but uh, Alante Taylor if I had to pick one of the guys that could be a, a late round Patriots guy um, Alante Taylor out of Tennessee is an interesting uh, guy to keep a name on so who I mean eye on um, and finally so are we in agreement that the the best cornerback is Stingley yep who is the best uh, candidate for the number 21 pick to your New England Patriots I think, personally, personally, it would be Andrew Booth. Booth? Yes. I'm going to go with Andrew coming Booth. out of the booth. I, I, I think Booth would fit this team. I, I think he could slot right into what J.C. Jackson did. I don't think he would have the that same success right away, but he is the same style of corner, and he can kind of fit that mold better than what Trent McDuffie could add to this defense right away. Because I, I don't think Stingley or Gardner will be there for you at 21. I don't think there's any shot in hell that happens. And so then it immediately goes to, okay, what do we think about McDuffie or Booth uh, or even like Kyler Gordon? I think Booth, in my opinion, is the best of those. My projection is somehow, some way, one of the Washington corners, McDuffie or Gordon, ends up on the Patriots. They look like I Patriot would love Gordon to, to get to be the second round Patriot selection. I would Ooh. love for them to go receiver round one, Gordon in round two. I think I would be happy with that. Jamison Williams and Kyle Gordon. 
Kyler, I mean, Kyler Gordon. Gordon. Yep. I would like the hell out of that. I would be in on that. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to, you know, I, we've, we've done a lot of good football talk for almost an hour, so people haven't gotten enough Andy Lane humor. But I believe the kids would say, much like Will Smith, this podcast slaps. Look at you being topical. Nailed it. Uh, he's Chris Scheim. I'm Andy Hart. This is another off-day podcast, Prospect Edition. We gave you maybe more than you ever wanted to hear about the cornerback position as it relates to the draft and as it relates to the Patriots' arguably top need, whether people are voting that way or not on Twitter. If you want to vote on Twitter, at Jumbo Hart, where I asked, what is the top need? I gave you the option of cornerback, wide receiver, number one wide receiver, offensive line, linebacker and we will touch on those other positions in the coming weeks each and every week we will do at least one podcast focused on draft and prod uh, and pot uh, blah, 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 prospects <laughs> we've been talking a long time i'm running out of gas no okay. commercial breaks here um and we will do that but we'll be back later this week talking about the patriots bill belichick speaking at the nfl owners yes, meetings at a fancy hotel down in florida um scary comments i guess i'll say based on some of the topics we've already discussed the coaching staff a phrase i like to use a lot uh from the tv show better call saul not great bob yeah so we'll get into that later in the week on your traditional off day podcast and tune in next week when we will talk about the wide receiver position hell yeah for chris scheim i'm andy hart this has been another off day podcast production Download the Odyssey app, subscribe to our podcast, let us know if you like us in the reviews, and we will talk to you soon. See you later this week. Bye. You've been listening to the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hard and Chris Scheim on WEEI.com and the Odyssey app. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.